0: KCLR Live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlow with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Good
1: morning, you're very welcome along to KCLR Live. Three minutes past 10 o'clock, Thursday the 10th of August. There was a lot of confusion earlier on in the week as to what the day or date actually was. But we've all gotten back into the rhythm of things well past the old uh, bank holiday confusion and know exactly where we are. But it's amazing tomorrow's Friday that's what a short week will do but it's not a short show this morning It's a jam-packed show. Edwina Grace, will be hearing from her in just a few moments' time about uh, the opportunity to tune in uh, and find out how you can help with donating blood. If you were here with us on Tuesday, you'll have heard the local blood transfusion service tell us all about their latest local clinics and following which Edwina Grace decided she'd pop along to Tuesday's gathering to meet some of those who attended and find out what motivated those people to go and donate blood. She's also been encouraging me to do the same. Will I? Won't I? We'll find out. And Rachel Glenn, she's coming on around about 20 past 10. Uh, I mentioned this just before the news at 10 o'clock. Human-generated sound fell by 8 decibels during the pandemic. And as a result, many of us are now seeking more peace and quiet in our lives. Travel website, Booking.com. well, it's no different there because they've reported that 40% of respondents to a recent survey said they would consider a silent retreat. Ooh, sounds a bit monastic to me. I don't know whether I could keep my mouth shut for that long. Could you? Would you be into a silent retreat? Or is just a bit of peace and quiet enough for you? Let me know. 083 96 96. Maybe there's somebody out there who's actually done a silent retreat. I'd love to hear from you. If you've been on a silent retreat, let me know. Yeah, what's it like not talking for three or four days, but we'll be finding out from Rachel Glenn um, about the uptake of that type of holiday at 20 past 10 this morning. Marissa Sheen, she's a Carlo Poet. Of course, the 50th Carl Kenny Arts Festival kicks off today. Um, Marissa is part of uh, Soapbox City, a couple of performances, and she'll be joining us to tell us what it is, why she loves poetry. Um, is it not just a bit of... Uh, wordy wordy mindfulness why do people get into poetry well Marissa will be telling us why she got involved in poetry and then just before 11 o'clock Casey Laura scoreline team member Shane O'Keefe is joining us, but not because of anything sports-related. He's also a very talented uh, TV and music, not music, movie producer. And uh, he's joining us to tell us a tale, the tale of Billy. We'll be finding out what that's all about a little bit later on this morning. 083 306 9696 is the dinner ready text and WhatsApp line. You can email the studio, live at kclr96fm.com. Etna and Molly are out there today keeping everything in check and in order. Or you can free phone us eighteen hundred ninety ninety six ninety six 1800 96 96 as well. Musically this morning, oh, when you see these three, we've got some Niall Horan. Why just because, well, he's brilliant. He's Irish. Everybody loves him. Um, but I've also picked out uh, two pieces of music that I love. One simply Red. sort of came back to mind because obviously Mick Hugnall's a huge Manchester United supporter, as am I. Premier League kicking off again this weekend. Something got me started. Is coming up. And also a track that was big in my day, which is not that long ago, right? Don't start this whole, yeah, yeah no. but the kids of today love it as well. So do stay tuned. We have some Aha! on the way for you in just a few moments' time. But now, first of all, as I said, we're going to hear from Edwina Grace. What motivates people to give blood?
2: I'm Mag Coon and I'm CNM here in the Carlo Clinic and I'm with the blood transfusion services and I'm working with them for nearly 12 years here.
3: It's a pretty busy service isn't it And, and certainly the blood that is donated is put to very good use.
2: Yes, it's a very busy service and much needed service. Obviously every donation is used and it's very important that we get in new donors and keep our regular donors coming back because it's very important that we keep all of Ireland in good supply with blood and platelets. So who can donate? Practically all of the population can donate, but there is obviously reasons that you cannot donate. But there is an eligibility quiz you can do online that will tell you the reasons why you cannot donate. But most people can? Most people can, and we're always always looking for new donors. Only 3% of the population in Ireland actually donate on a regular basis, which is... Not very good. So we're always looking for new donors to come into to us or people that do donate to come back more regularly to us.
3: We probably all more know somebody who needs blood than donates blood, which, which is pretty sad in one way.
2: Yes, and how some of our donors actually end up coming in is from knowing somebody that needs blood and then that prompts them to come in. Mm. But... Um, yeah it'd be great if more of the population would come in to donate blood to, to ensure that we have a steady safe supply here in our own country
3: and they can check all that as you say they can take a quiz online and, and everything else and I know when people present at clinics because all of the details of the next local clinics are always on your website as well the crew that are here at the clinics are really helpful too
2: yes yes and you're well looked after when you come in and everybody's trained in what they do here and um, we work on a, an appointment based system here you can now make appointments online but for new donors that have to ring up and just to make their appointments and then obviously do eligibility quiz to make sure that they can donate And then the procedure itself for somebody who's never had it done, how difficult is it or how easy? You probably want to give yourself maybe an hour when you do come into clinic, you definitely want to give yourself an hour And it starts off at, um, you register at registration and you just give all your details there. And then if you're a new donor, you go for a longer interview. So it's called an extended donor interview. Then if you're a regular donor, you go for a shorter interview each time you come in. So it's just to make sure that it's safe for you to donate, but it's also safe for a person to receive your blood. So there's a lot of questions that we have to go through every time, but the procedure is there to ensure the safety of the blood supply and obviously the safety of the person who is given the blood. And then after you've had your interview and your haemoglobin checked to make sure that is okay for you to donate, then the donation process begins. So you're on the bed and... You're, you're looked after by all the staff that is trained in vena puncture and we um, start your donation and then that donation process can probably take around 10 minutes from when you're on the bed and from when the needle is put in.
3: And then you get to replenish of sorts uh, your energy, um,
2: you get to sit down and, and have a little bite. Yes, and then afterwards we like you to wait on clinic for about 10 to 15 minutes afterwards and help yourself then to our snacks and a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or one of our minerals. and feel good about yourself after doing such a good thing and know that knowing what you're after, your time you've given up is helping somebody out there.
3: You're potentially helping to save a life.
2: Exactly, and which is so important <laughs> and it's something that you can do. Like, give up your time, like, it is the time that you are donating, but it's it's a life-saving thing to do.
3: Everything's on the website, as we say. How can people access that and uh, get involved?
2: So, it's all on giveblood.ie. Everything, like, any information you need is there.
3: You've just given blood. Why do you give blood, and how long have you been doing it for? I've
2: been doing it for years,
4: giving blood. I do it because it's the feel-good factor. <laughs> and not just for me, it's, look, if I could help somebody else, why not? I think I'm 61 points now, so... Really big milestone for myself. <laughs> wow, that's a lot. I look, I enjoy giving it. Do you know? I really do. Do you know? It's a worthwhile cause. Really, really should do it.
3: A lot of people are afraid of the procedure. Or they think it'll hurt, or they just don't know what to expect. What would you say to somebody who's considering it? What's the procedure like? It's plain, basic, and simple. There is nothing tricky about it. Come in. You just
4: give your name and your details. You do small prick tests to check your iron
3: levels. And then you just get to go ahead. And it's all done, can be all done in 15 minutes. <laughs> and you go away feeling very happy.
4: Oh, yeah, brilliant.
3: <laughs> what would you say to people thinking about
4: it? I would advise you do it. Even if you only try it, if you don't like it, so be it. Or if it's not for you, but it, it's feel-good thing, so you should go. I'm giving blood since 1985,
5: since I was 20, and I'm 58 now. Today was my 106th donation. I like to give blood because I'm given back to people who need it. When I was growing up, I had relations in hospitals and various things. And it doesn't take much out of your life. I've driven up from Wexford and I drive anywhere to give blood, okay? I give blood every 90 days. Today is my 92nd day. I'd highly recommend it. You don't miss the blood it'll come back to you in your body it's a great thing to do i really encourage everyone to do it if you can all right there are rules and stipulations involved but if you start come in with a friend i'm always nervous i'm always nervous at needles and today i did my right arm for the first time today after giving 105 in the other arm because i was getting a bit tired And so thank God today my right arm was able to do it, to donate blood.
3: And you're showing no signs of stopping your intent on doing this, continuing this every 90 days? Thank you. I continue to do it every 90
5: days. The office in Carlow here are used to me ringing up to see when I can give blood after my 90th day. So I go anywhere in Ireland to give blood. What are the crew like? The crew are lovely, you get tea, coffee, 7-Up, orange, biscuits, oranges, bananas and the staff are lovely in the hotel as well here in County Carlow, lovely, lovely staff and lovely to meet people here, new people. People doing it along. People, young people. Great to see young people here today in uh, Talbot Hotel in Carlow, Absolutely excellent.
3: Yeah, it's a great bunch of people. Lovely. So you've given blood and you're tucking into the packet of crisps and, and yeah, a hot cup there as well.
6: I'm getting my strength back. That's what I'm doing. Like you know, so it's, um, it's one of them things when you give blood, you have to get your strength back. So they're nice and kind here, the staff here and they They go to us. And this is my sixth time here giving blood. What pushed you to start giving blood? Well, it was to to help people like... You know, uh, especially our own people, like, that have problems with blood and blood donation and stuff. They need it, like, you know, help wherever I can. At the end of the day, we're all human, like, you know, and uh, why not? Uh, everyone should help everyone, like, you know, uh, as best they can anyway, you know, and uh, whatever little they have, and I chose giving blood.
3: It's not that difficult, is it? Because a lot of people are fearful of the procedure itself.
6: I told not well, just think of it as um, riding a bicycle. You know, you know, some people are, are, are anxious about things. I just get on with it and knowing that I'm doing something good.
3: For somebody who's thought about it, doesn't know if they could commit to it, what would you say to them?
6: Well, I always say, look, if you don't know, well, go and um, see somebody that knows about it, you know, and, and give you advice on it and stuff like that. Then try it yourself. If you're not happy, don't do it. Like, you know, if you're nervous or whatever, which most people are, so you you try... The nurses in here, they're very good, to calm you and, they, you know, make sure that you're relaxed, which is the proper way to do things, really, you know, before you proceed to give blood. That's the way I see it, like, you know.
3: There's a lovely camaraderie um, after you give blood, people sitting around. They're quite quiet now at the moment because I'm I'm, I'm talking. I think <laughs> I think half of them are afraid of me. But everyone has the chats and you're all like-minded people. Ah,
6: well, look, it's the summer weather is probably keeping us all happy, you know. It's not dull day today outside, so... Basically, that's why people are sitting around here. It's like a little party, you know, so your bags of tea, your cup of coffee, you know.
4: I began when I was about 18. A family member used to do it, and I just said I'd, I'd do it too. So I try to come every time they're here, really. I'm, I'm on. This is my 58th donation today, so I like to come as often as I can. I kind of feel like you're helping somebody without going too far out of your way. It's not costing you anything, but you're potentially saving a life. That's the way I look at it. You're potentially saving a life. What you can give for free could save somebody's life. That's my incentive to come, and that's why I keep coming. My blood type is O-negative, so it can be given to anybody, and I suppose that's an extra incentive for me to, to come because you get a message after when your blood has been donated as, and it lets you know where it's gone and if it's gone to a child or an adult. And it's really satisfying. It's kind of like a sense of achievement that you've, you've, you've done something, you've helped somebody. And like I say, it hasn't cost anything. so And you might need it yourself at some stage. You never know. You never know when you'll need it or somebody belonging to you will need it. If everybody had the same idea of, well, I'm not doing it, somebody else will do it, would be you're, you're in a position where there is no blood. You know, somebody will need it. And yeah, I, I just feel it's really a satisfying thing to do for, for nothing.
7: Well, I started in 1972 when I was working in Dublin, in Dublin Corporation, and there was a person sick within the organisation, and at those times you actually had to buy blood, but if a certain number within the organisation volunteered to give blood, that that uh, was waived for that person. So I felt that I was uh, uh, saving a life, so we went on to Pelican House, uh, a robust load of us, and we all gave our pint of blood. Then I moved down to Carlo in 73, and at that stage the blood transfusion was coming to the Dighton Hall in Carlo. So I started off giving there, then, because I was involved in sport and I had acupuncture, I wasn't able to give for a few years. And that now has been overcome, you know, by getting a form signed and all the rest. So it's from then, anytime it's in Carlo, I come and I, I give the blood. And I think it's not until it hits, and I will hit every doorstep, that somebody in the family will need blood and you're actually helping somebody. I had a brother that got blood last year. The way I felt about it, I'm not too sure was it the same kind as myself, but if I didn't give it you know, and somebody else didn't give his kind, he wouldn't have been kept alive, you know, and that's the way we have to think about it, and it doesn't cost us anything. To me, you feel no pain, and everybody is very nice, and uh, there's nothing to be afraid of. If you have a pain and you go to the dentist, you have to get an injection, and you have to pay for it. Here, your services is free, and you're doing good for somebody that might need it for cancer patients or for road accidents or for other needs. So I would try and encourage every young person in particular to come because once you get in on the system you will always come back. There is no doubt about that. Because you know, as people get more senior, you know, they can be on medication and they may not be able to give it for some reason or another. So we need the young people because some member of your family will need it one day or other. So please come along and give generously.
1: i have been Grace there reporting from people who've been motivated for many different reasons to give blood. That last lady, I think, summed it up for me quite nicely. Sure, if you went to the dentist... You'd be getting injection because it was be so painful and you'd still be paying for the privilege. whereas donating blood doesn't cost anything, it uh, doesn't do any pain and it's easy enough to do. Well, I've said on a couple of occasions when we've spoken to the people from the blood transfusion service that uh, it's been a number of years since I've given blood and I'll go along and I'm going to go along uh, to one of the events later in the month somewhere in the city to give blood myself. Uh, they're running at O'Loughlin Gales uh, GA Club from the 28th to the 31st of August Before that, the Avalon House Hotel in Castle hosts one next Tuesday afternoon, while today, Thursday, uh, you can donate at the Talbot Hotel in Carlow. All of those clinics run from 3.50, very specific, 10 to 4, um, until 8 o'clock in the evening. And if you want to donate blood, you need to book an appointment in advance, and you can do this either by logging onto the website giveblood.ie or ringing 1800 222 111. You can check out all of the information that you need from there, and uh, get yourself booked in if it's the first time a bit like me there's a bit of a, a, a online questionnaire that you've got to fill out and stuff like that as well so i'll be filling that out and as, long as i pass all the tests and uh, myself and edwina will be popping along to one of those clinics next week and i can bring you first-hand experience of what it's all like 20 past 10 after that i'll be talking about peace and quiet to rachel glenn
0: KCLR Live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie.
1: KCLR Welcome back to KCLR. I've 23 minutes past 10 o'clock. Now, as some of you may know, I've just had two weeks off. Didn't travel abroad, stayed at home, enjoyed some peace and quiet. Well... As much as I was allowed to enjoy, given the fact that my wife and the two kids were also on holiday at the same sort of time. But peace and quiet is a, a huge thing that people are searching out. And I think even more so off the back of the pandemic, because new research has found that during the lockdown, listen to this, human generated sound on the planet fell by eight decibels. We were all at home. We weren't driving cars, driving big work related objects, making noise with our, our colleagues in the office eight decibels more quiet peace and quiet and as we return to normality that noise pollution many of us are seeking respite from and according to a new recent survey by booking.com 40% of respondents have said that they would consider a silent retreat. I mean, could you stay silent for a whole weekend? Is that pushing it a bit too far? But somebody who's very much aware of the benefits of uh, that little bit of peace and quiet is Rachel Glenn from Sustainable Glamping Company Further Space at Black Now. And Rachel joins us now to talk about the trend of people opting for holidays in more secluded places. Good morning to you, Rachel.
8: Good morning, Brian. How's things?
1: Well, first of all, I want to apologise for interrupting your own peace and quiet this morning to come on air and talk to us about peace and quiet. I know it seems like an oxymoron, but there you go. Um, A huge uptake in people looking for more sustainable holidays in general. And if you can combine sustainability with a bit of peace and quiet, that's boom time for people like yourself, isn't it?
8: Yeah, it's great. Yeah. We provide the perfect location for this respite and downtime. Um, for people to escape from the daily hustle and bustle, um, so it's a plus for us.
9: And
1: have you found that people are tending to to come in groups, or do they tend to be people um, coming on their own, looking for that little bit of solitude for two or three days?
8: Well, initially we visited, or we were visited by a lot of families looking for somewhere different to stay. But as time has gone on. We're also taking a lot of bookings from couples looking for that perfect cozy retreat for a quiet weekend all year round.
1: And like that, it's all year round. It's not just when we're in the middle of a summer, as he says in inverted commas. People are quite happy to go for these sustainable types of retreats, um, even during the winter months.
8: Yes, exactly. Yeah, we've had people stay during when it's been snowing, and our pod kind of looks like an igloo during the winter time, and it's very idyllic and peaceful and quiet. It's lovely.
1: So, Rachel, tell me, if I arrive at further space on a Friday afternoon looking for a weekend of peace and quiet, what will I see and what will I experience over that two or three days' day?
8: Stay? Um, so our focus is for you to switch off and get lost in nature and not on your screens and find that time to really relax and experience something different. And we are based on an active farm, and you'll experience um, alpacas, house roaming chickens through the fields, and it's um, a self check in check out experience so we kind of give guests the leeway to you know create their own little experience
1: so no internet connection whatsoever oh you're pushing it you're asking people (laughs) (laughs) can't check on Instagram for three days
8: (laughs) well there is phone reception (laughs) if you want to go that way and also we're based just outside Valley Castle like a five minute drive so you kinda, you've got the best of both worlds but it gives you the chance to escape you know whether so you want to do it for like five minutes or your whole stage duration. it's yeah. really up to the guests
1: yeah I mean I'm only joking of course about the internet connection and stuff <laughs> like that as well. but I think with these pods I've never stayed in one but what I, what I do sort of see I think it's it's that sort of happy medium because I've got a problem whereby when I went on holidays a lot as a kid we used to go camping I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Love to do it with my own kids now if I got the opportunity. But unfortunately, I'm married to a woman who's like, "Eh, eh." if there's any chance of a creepy crawly getting anywhere near me, I ain't going out and staying in a tent. I think the closest I could get is probably something like these pods and glamping. It's a nice sort of intermediate point between, you know, the full luxury of a hotel and being connected to nature without the hassle of setting up a tent, isn't it?
8: yeah no it's it's great no ours are very luxury they're kind of scandy style so they're quite modern um they accommodate two adults two kids um they even have bathroom facilities in them as well so there's no communal sharing um so yeah no they're great
1: and in terms of the stuff the facilities that you've got you say you're based on a farm and um, you can obviously interact roles and just go for strolls around the local area if you want to do as well
8: Yeah, lots of large open green spaces and we also provide like some food for the animals so people can go stuff out and feed opacas and I find just by talking to guests and getting feedback and stuff, some people have never came very close to like certain animals like cows, they're kind of like dinosaurs to them. (laughs) And then and then the chickens and ducks. I actually had a guest the other day asking, you know, what's that, like, funny-looking chicken there? And I was like, no, that's a duck. So, you know, I... I'm going to guess that that you know, person was
1: probably from Dublin because that sounds like there's something that a, a dub would say.
8: Potentially, but maybe because she also had a glass of wine in her hand. Maybe she's got a bit cloudy vision. <laughs> but, yeah. But no, no, we are getting really good feedback. And yeah, it's a perfect place for people just to disconnect from the hustle and bustle and just reconnect with nature and also love one.
1: And Rachel, do you notice a, p- a difference in people over the course of a weekend? You know, I, I know you've got the self-check-in service, but I'm, I'm sure you've seen plenty of guests over the time. Are they? Do they look more chilled out, more relaxed, less stressed by the time it comes to a Sunday afternoon or Monday morning checkout compared to how they were when they arrived frazzled on a Friday?
8: Yeah, definitely, when they come initially, yeah, they're just kind of inquisitive about the whole thing. And then by the time they leave, um, yeah, I get feedback saying they're feeling really relaxed, refreshed and recharged.
1: Yeah, it's a a fairly new, uh, you know, phenomenon because, you know, going back pre-pandemic, people would have only really thought of holidays as being either, you know, sun holidays, city breaks within Europe or maybe a weekend away in the city centre at Lone Kakenny, Carlow wherever it might be um, here in Ireland in a big hotel they've sort of sprung up out of nowhere these glamping type holiday locations
8: yeah I know so I was living in Australia for four years and I've seen it starting to trend over there and I was having back and forth chats with my dad and obviously we had the boom of the Game of Thrones Mm -hmm. and I said look dad you know we've got a piece of land and I think it would be perfect for it because it allows people to just connect but yet be close to like local coastal coastal route attractions and stuff so I thought it would lend itself and it has you know it's becoming more and more popular and we're coming now into our fourth year of opening and it's just getting bigger and bigger.
1: That's and brilliant. it's expanded quite a lot as a company for the space because as you said you started on a, a piece of land that was part of your own farm. Just tell listeners how many locations you're in right across not just the Republic of Ireland but Northern Ireland and indeed Scotland and the UK as well.
8: Um, I'd need to double check but I think they have in and around 12 sites. Yeah, and they're looking to expand to England as well. Right. But yeah. each, location, each location with further space is kind of unique in its own little way and offers you know that kind of different getaway and you know you do your research and you kind of Pick
1: which one you would prefer. Which based one
0: works on what you. You're looking for you? Well, yeah. listen,
1: peace and quiet, it's absolutely fantastic. I don't get enough of it in my life. I'm sure a lot of people are the same. But if you are looking for um, an opportunity to get away, enjoy a little, not quite a full on silent retreat, mind you, I suppose if you went on your own and just checked into the pod and stayed in there for the weekend, you could actually do a full on silent retreat if you wanted to check, check out it. further space. Um, and Rachel Glenn from Sustainable Glamping Company, further space. Thank you very much for joining us in case you are live this morning.
8: Cheers, Brian.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Rachel. Yeah, there you go. Bit of peace and quiet. Is that um, your type of holiday? Or uh, are you looking for a karaoke bar and uh, cheap cocktails? Who knows? Let me know. Oh 306 9696 What type of holiday does it for you? i am got to take a little piece of music. This one is something that always catches me out. Aha, take on me. I've got two kids, 9, well coming up 9 and 14, and they absolutely love this song. I always wonder, where did you hear it from? Oh, yeah, probably because I've been playing it. It is, aha, but take on me. Good morning to you. Aha, take on me. You can see why it's uh, still one of those ones that gets everybody bopping. It's not quite 50 years old, but something that is, is Kilkenny Arts Festival, and after the break with it launching today we'll be talking about the festival and meeting a poet who's taking part in some of the events that are making up a massive schedule uh, running between the 10th and the 20th of August
0: KCLR Live with thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card, the perfect gift for all occasions. See fairgreen.ie
10: KCLR KCLR
1: You're very welcome back to KCLR Live. Text and WhatsApps are open. The dinner's ready. Text and WhatsApp line 083-306-9696 or indeed you can call the show on 1890-96-96. The whole, all of the team are there waiting to take your calls. But Kilkenny Arts Festival kicking off um, today of all days. Well, no better day, I suppose. Um, It is the 50th edition of the Kilkenny Arts Festival. In a couple of moments' time, we'll be speaking to a poet um, who's taking place in a number of those events as part of the Arts Festival. And it's a huge, huge event running for... historically right back to those days somebody who knows a lot about it she hasn't been she's not in the building so I'm going to say this she hasn't been to all 50 of the arts festivals Edwina Grace will now kick my backside around the office when she gets back but she has been out and about getting the flavour of what we can expect for this year
3: the Kilkenny Arts Festival gets underway later today and it's a special one the 50th. First events include theatrics at the bus stop on College Road opposite St Kieran's College from 7. Malian performer Umu Sangari is at St Canice's Cathedral from 8 while at the same time Sheridan's and a Snag host the premiere of theatre piece The Local. Then there's the audiovisual show which will see Kilkenny Castle lit up from round about half past 10 tonight. So are we looking forward to the next 10-day spread?
4: Well, I don't go to the bigger concert. I just browse around, go to the exhibitions and nothing like that.
3: And do you think is the atmosphere good when, when it's on the streets or do you think it, is there a noticeable difference?
11: It can be good, depends on weather, of course. has a lot to do with it so well, hopefully you now it's going to get improved now
3: I'm oh, very excited I
12: love it absolutely love Arctic always have done as a resident and a local for all my life I've looked forward to that the, it, a good side and bad side I love the artistic side of it but it also then is the kicker to back to work I'm a teacher, so I'm back to work in September so that leads into the Rosa Trilly which leads into back to work yeah. but anyway, I love the, the buzz the atmosphere um, the, just the different activities is, the, is that the right appropriate yeah. thing you can say um, the very from I'm not really into art but I love the jewellery the crafts and the music the, the, especially when the RG concert orchestra are around yeah absolutely love that
3: and you'll get to sit down and you'll probably study the programme will you I
12: can't I just saw that it, the programme is out or available um, that's exactly what I'm going home to do now to peruse it from start to finish so I'll be able to see exactly when the orchestra is around because I do love them yeah I do love them. any kind of live orchestral classical music like that yeah floats my boat and Kilkenny is great
3: venues to accommodate music like that, to really do it justice. Canis'
12: Cathedral is just amazing. Absolutely amazing. My dad and I oh, must be 20 years ago maybe went, and he who's got me into classical music, went to see um, oh gosh I can't remember her name now, she was a soprano down there. She's since passed away actually. Um, But it has just, it's an amazing venue. The acoustics down there are just amazing. Absolutely amazing. And the Black Abbey as well. It's fantastic. Absolutely Fantastic. And Mary's actually um, used I'm to
9: down
12: be down there. Oh, <laughs> he's down there as well. Yeah, yeah. No, it's brilliant. There are some lovely venues, and when the weather is right, should the, vet, the yeah. castle, the castle grounds, can't can't go wrong up yeah. there. Yeah.
3: The any <laughs> Arts Festival kicks off. Is it something you're interested in? Will you go to anything? Or
2: oh yeah, absolutely. I've been looking up the program, and there's some really exciting shows, and also um, we might go and try out for some of the the light shows that are on in the castle uh, that looks exciting and yeah well it's just a lovely week the atmosphere is always great and uh, we're looking forward to it. And what do you think of the Arts Festival?
9: Mm, I think it's gonna be fun
1: a Grace, finding out everything Arts Festival, young people, old people, everybody, running between the 10th and the 20th of August. I'm not going to go through the programme events simply because there are way too many for me to actually do any justice to it here. I probably need to be on air till the end of John Keane's show to go through them all. But you can check out all the information simply by visiting KilkennyArts.ie. But to give you a little bit of a flavour of what you can expect, I'm joined in studio by poet... Marissa Sheen, she's a Carlo poet and she's taking part of Soapbox City which is actually part of the alternative Kilkenny Arts Festival uh, a couple of different editions of this one coming up on the 12th in Routh House Gardens but this evening um, at uh, is it half
13: past one or two o'clock this yeah, evening yeah sign in at half one and kick off at two o'clock yeah so that's taken like,
1: Billy Burns 10th of August you're very welcome along to the
13: show thanks a million delighted to be here and thanks for your bravery M- my uh, bravery yeah really my brave. poetry and a big show in the middle of the day we're usually by the Birka Boiler down yeah. in small rooms at the back of the halls. Yeah, so, I want to speak to a poet. Thanks, Brian. S- stick around at <laughs> 10 o'clock tonight
1: but nobody listening.
13: it <laughs> exactly. be grand. But no,
1: I think we've got, this is the thing, right? The Kilkenny Arts Festival and indeed so many of the arts festivals throughout the country. Um, they're there to value and appreciate art. And
13: poetry, yes. rightfully, has its place within the world of art. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Um, I think poetry is great because it's little I kind of think of it sometimes as getting a bit of a pick and mix Mm. you never know what you're going to get you (laughs) could get a you know a white mouse or a little false gummy teeth but they're just little I'm a gummy teeth man I'm a gummy teeth man and it's just it's just little snippets and it just stretches little moments and makes us stop and think about them a bit and I thought um, that great poet Brendan Cannellan made a very good thing he says it doesn't try and make sense of reality it just captures it yeah and I thought somebody else very smart not me obviously said um, poetry is written with wonder not knowing
1: yeah that's very, I think it's a great place to come from and we'll talk about you. I mean, you're going to read a couple of pieces for us or at least one anyway because
13: I have one uh, called Knickers for you but I said there's not many presenters <laughs> could cope with it but I think <laughs> you <laughs> might be able to.
1: I'm looking forward to, to hearing your knickers uh, you know, we'll come to that in a minute
13: but why poetry
1: I mean you've talked about the, at what point in your life give a, so tell me about Marissa right so uh, Marissa's growing up but at what point does Marissa go oh I like this thing of writing words down and reading them
13: well I think I always liked hearing poetry I'm from Cork, you might know by the accent. I know, <laughs> we it's a mistake, I'm here, yeah. Um, and just saying poems in Feshmachu and Cork, I suppose it gets into you, it seeps into you, the soundings from secondary school, and then going on and reading some of the more contemporary poets, like Martina Evans facing the public. It's just hilarious, about her mother in a pub in West Cork, or Michael Longley. I was just reading some of his stuff a few days ago, and he's describing his granddaughter... Emilia opens the, eye of the t- eyelid of the tawny, tawny owl and behind it sees a concentration of the night. Yeah. Isn't that just fantastic? Yeah. Or he talks about um, a desecrated church and he says, I hope when the snow falls on the altar, it falls like an altar cloth.
1: Th- do we undervalue you know? words? I mean, there's uh, spoken word, right? We all deal with spoken word all day, every day but I don't think we often challenge ourselves as to how we put those words together to create beautiful sentences is that the essence of what poetry is I,
13: I I think that's what we try and that's the challenge and I think but I think there's poetry all around us even yesterday somebody in passing said to me oh to mind that lad he couldn't see beyond his own eyelashes <laughs> and I went fantastic or I was driving through the roundabout in Carlo and I passed a van that was obviously doing dog training yeah and the name of it was Sit Happens (laughs) Isn't that just fantastic Isn't that fantastic And like that's poetry and to try and capture that and just create little moments Mm. like, and maybe help us look at things differently or make sense of it or to quote uh,
1: Do you have to be sort of differently minded in order to be a poet or is it something that people could learn
13: Um, I think you have to practice it you have to practice and practice and practice, listen to criticism, try and improve, read loads. But I think Irish people, there's poetry in all of us. Mm. Like, there's, it's, it's like, look at the Booker list. Yeah. Four of them are Irish writers. Like, it, it's just, I think maybe it's not that's like that's four out of 11. Us. It's, it's yeah. not
1: like four out of hundreds. It's, it's like 30, yeah. 40% of them.
13: It's, it's just amazing. And I think, um, but I think also, like, we see the funny side of things. We yeah. can see it maybe. A bit more quirky or we're not kinda of constrained by stuff. We we just go Ah look at I'll give it a lash yeah. do you know and, th- and well, that's listen, what it's
1: you about said, you said I'll give it a lash and we'll, we'll come on to talk about po- we'll continue talking about poetry in a few moments and actually I'm going to ask you to stay right up until the news at 11 if you're okay doing that no, it's only 15 no. minutes away yeah. because uh, after we chat to you we're going to be joined by uh, Shane O'Keefe he's from Our Sports Team here, also a very creative person and because you're from Cork I've got a little bit of audio we're going to play with <laughs> <Okay>. Shane <laughs>
14: okay. that involves
1: somebody from Cork and I want you to stay and have a chat yeah, with us about yeah. that as well but uh Show me your knickers. <laughs> Sorry. I'll, get, I'll be off, be off probably. Uh, no, the air. But now, what's this piece entitled?
13: OK, so this is just inspired by the theme of this evening's is about change, great change. And I suppose a change that we all go is the underwear we wear. <laughs> so, you know, from your 20s to me, when I'm slightly beyond the 20s, it does change a little bit. So here we go. Knickers. Knickers lodged wrong, catching, sawing, clumped. As magnetic to fingers as the rough, the three-year-old's hair. A lone weed jeering on the gravel path. Hike up, elevate thigh, par, tug, pull, release. No one saw me the relief. Of a blackhead spurting between finger and thumb. Wheeze in cubicles after beard, the jeans sighing at your knees. Less catching now. Full cotton briefs clamped across ample dimpling cheek fat. My fingers still tingle a little for the risk cut of minis and tongs.
1: That's fabulous. <laughs> the first part of that, I don't know what way you'd up into stanzas or, you know,
13: <laughs> parts, we we'll yeah, yeah,
1: parts. All I could see was my eight-year-old daughter, right, because she's into performance and, you know, surprise, surprise. I wonder where she got that yeah, from. Yeah yeah, 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 I know, yeah, everybody yeah, says yeah. that. But <laughs> she's always going, don't be picking at your knickers because she's a funny yeah, you know, with yeah, all yeah, the dancers, yeah, yeah, always yeah, pulling yeah, the knickers. Yeah. And I could see in the words... That you just read, those things happening. I could see the thing in our mind of, oh, I'm going out on stage. I better not, I better not do that. Yeah, I better not do yeah, that. Yeah. And that's exactly what the beauty of poetry is. It
13: is, it's it just. Does it take itself too seriously? Here, here's
1: one for you, right? So let's, we've been all friendly for the last yeah. few minutes. Let's get a bit adversarial now. Does it take itself too seriously sometimes?
13: It does. And that's a fault of it. And that's a pity because I've been to poetry readings and I've gone, oh God guys come on just read the poems let's stop talking about it and these it's a bit like wine isn't it yeah it's just I don't really need to know where it it came from (laughs) (laughs) yeah but it's it does a little bit and that's a pity and that's why the looks of an open mic or a spoken word is just a bit of fun it's Mm. just get up there say it but then also do the serious stuff do the deeper stuff and let people Get something out of that or get it I I quote that famous poet Dolly Parton, <laughs> of who I'm a big fan, is that that's why I write sad songs. Yeah. So that I don't have to be sad. Yeah. And like, isn't that fantastic? Mm. Just just do take that moment to just have that sad moment and let other people
1: And do you write sad stuff as well?
13: A little bit, yeah. Of course you do. Like, um I have one here that it's about do you know the way? Sometimes it's it's this thing of not taking. I don't want to know all about stuff. Yeah. I just I I just want it to work or to be enjoyable or something. So this the, look, I'll read go this, on read and this and one. See Read with
1: yeah. them taking it. We'll go straight yeah. to the air break after this. And yeah. Then Shane, can come and join us yeah. then for a little chat before the news.
13: So this call. I don't want to know your name, frantic brown and yellow bird. I want to bounce with you in the wind, clench my toes around the electric fence, balance, tweet sway with you how you work old pie radio i just want to turn twiddle the dial to hear your opinions commotions urgencies at my back sitting astride the silence about greek nymphs and gods i just want to rinse my mouth out with the poem's minty words tingling my teeth stopping me for the moment how you're going to concoct the drug radiation regimes excise histopathologically characterize the malignancy I just want you to cure it
1: Sheen, Carlo Poet taking part in Southbox City at Billy Burns part of the Kilkenny Alternative or the Alternative Kilkenny Arts Festival get that the right way around um, taking place registrations up there for open mic type event 1.30 this afternoon um, thank you very much
13: thanks
0: for,
1: for reading those don't go anywhere uh, we'll be right back after this
0: KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops food outlets and a state of the art IMC cinema See fairgreen.ie.
1: K- 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 KCLR You're very welcome back to KCLR Live It's uh, 8 minutes to 11 o'clock We're going to continue and stay on the theme of arts and creativity And one of the most creative souls we've got in the building oh, here Our very own uh, journalist, sports broadcaster Every man,
14: everything <laughs> Journalist, you stop <laughs>
1: <laughs> Shane O'Keefe, good morning you How Welcome you? along um, Of course, uh, Marissa Sheehan has stayed with us Carlo Poet taking part in the alternative Kenny Arts Festival Shane, congratulations I, do, Give him a round what of applause Well,
14: I, (laughs) came in to work early this morning (laughs)
1: no the tale of Billy O.C. because for those who don't know Shane is not just as I said a a very talented broadcaster he's also a very talented actor and comedian and uh, also filmmaker yeah but come on, tell us, Billy O.C.
14: Yeah, tell Billy O.C. We shot it in February 2020. We actually finished production a week before the whole country went into lockdown. So we had it all locked down to kind of <laughs> edit it.
1: Yeah, it was editing must be phenomenal then at Yeah, and
14: then the reshoots had to happen and then we had to go along with, you know, the guidelines that were at the time. But it's finally kind of getting its day in the sun now. So uh, tell us about the story without,
1: you know... Spoiler alert! Give us a little bit of an insight as to who is Billy O'C and what is his tale.
14: Billy O'C is played by a phenomenal actor. A lot of people might know him from the theatre circuit here in uh, Brendan Corcoran uh, I've had the tremendous pleasure. Like the reason why I got into theatre was to act a, across from Brendan Corcoran I got mm. to do that now on a few occasions, which is which has been mind blowing. But also getting into theatre and talking to Brendan it was like, man, we need to get you on film. So the tale of Billy O'C was written by an Australian writer. Set in nineteen eighty five Ireland, about a gentleman who's going through the the ringer. Um, There's been a murder that's happened in the town. There's been a lot of uh, fingers pointed at certain people. It's a story of possible redemption or a story of creating a villain as well. So it's uh, utilizes a lot of various different places in Kilkenny People will know the wonderful surrounds of Inishteig. We've got cars appropriate to the time period. We got them sent down from Donegal, and old Garda car. We shot in Duckets Grove, we were out in Tipperary. We use a lot of local actors so, as well. So,
1: if you're from Kilkenny. It's yeah. shot in and around Kilkenny, and it's... Um, it's it, you Getting sort of world recognition really at the moment because we, when he told me Marissa that, that he'd won an award, I, th- I thought it was you know the Craig and Manor Arts Festival or something <laughs> like that. Not, I don't know even though there's the last Festival in Craignaman, but I'm sure it'll be fabulous if there is. But one of the awards uh, awards came from India.
14: Is that right? Yeah, there's a the Hollywood Film Festival over in Italy, a, India won the best international feature film. There was a Cannes Film Award, which is a, not the actual Cannes Film Festival. Yeah, second Cannes that won best international film there. It's getting its Irish debut at the Underground festival I
1: didn't get my invite yet to the red carpet event for
14: the I know I can't can't definitely need one though I can't <laughs> even go I'm doing scoreline on the Saturday I'll go on your
13: behalf. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going too
14: <laughs> so the underground fi- uh, film festival at the Royal Marine Hotel it'll be playing at uh, half six in the one of the suites there. And we've had history there. We've won Best Documentary at the Underground Film Festival before. We've had various different shorts. And 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 isn't anywhere that we could see it at the moment, apart from going to that? No, so obviously it's a festival release and then it's up to our agents to kind of be able to market it and be able to get it up online. We've had a few offers, but we're just kind of trying to find the best one for us at the moment. And then we have a, like, off the... That as well. We have another feature film that's just about to be released with one of the main characters from uh, Billy Osi as well. So, okay, that, and that's based around Hurling. How do you, like, how do you get the time to do all this stuff? Sure, I'd be in at seven, like I'd finish <laughs> at half three. There's <laughs> lots of stuff to be done. Seven, there's eight, nine, there. ten, eleven,
1: twelve, one, two. That's there's still, hours still only there. seven and a half, eight
14: hours. I was out Buckley Park there the other <laughs> day. Oh, I know,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, I tell you what, we'll deal with that another day because before you go, um considering. You're a big sports fan. Yeah, I'm a big sports fan. I do love sports. And we've got a Corkonian here who's come on the
13: Cork ladies. Yeah, <laughs> the Camogie congratulations. <laughs> well, Corkonians
1: are fabulously well renowned for their ability with the. I was going to say English language, but this particular Corkonian <laughs> I'm going to play for you now <laughs> is not just renowned for the English language. He's also pretty good at French and also a little bit of the blue stuff as well. Have a little listen to this. <laughs>
10: think <laughs> on You Bordeaux samedi c'est comme ça à Dublin at the Oxiders samedi on va favorites mais ton humour ton performance c'est dicté par le Majestic Alexter ou c'est dicté par ici il y a tellement de choses de progresser dans cette
14: équipe je m'en fous <laughs> d'aller c'est ici est-ce que vous avez faim ou vous n'êtes pas intéressé de progresser ou on va plan back on samedi c'est pas possible ça l'opportunité <laughs> <c'est> we
1: <énorme. laughs> We're going to turn into a question of sport now Marissa. who's that can you identify who that is
13: that's a neighbour of my own from home. It's Raj. A- Raj. 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 Raj.
1: Yeah, it's it's like this, I think this absolutely for me, some I hate language fascists is what I call them. My wife is what no, I hate my wife, but maybe but you know what I mean. You know Communication is just about communication. Whether you're doing it through the spoken word, whether you're doing oh. it through film, whether you're doing it in the in the confines of a dressing room, mixing in English yeah. with French with bad language he
13: certainly gets his point across it's Marissa. just about communication isn't it yeah. it's just about getting a connection with people if it's through film if it's through poems if it's on the radio it's just that feeling together isn't yeah. it
14: like I haven't a clue what, what he was, was going said, on about but yeah. I know exactly what he was saying <laughs> you know what I mean it's it's through that passion and the it's emotion the that you get it across whether as you were saying through through poem or through film or on stage or even through dancing like yourself it's, yeah. it's, it's the way that you kind of manipulate your inflection in your voice or your body to be able to get across a message and he can do that I don't know what he's saying but they're the Heineken Cup champions so <laughs> for Roche so he's obviously saying something right
1: yeah no and I it's think it's
13: funny it's entertaining isn't it, it is yeah <laughs> I,
1: I, I think it's brilliant because you've got you know he's talked about the fact that
13: in fairness he's pretty he's, he's
1: pretty good at languages although he wouldn't give himself credit for it but Roger's the type of character who doesn't give himself credit for much Um but he's got that balance of struggling with the French a little bit using the old English language when he needs to using the bad language to really (laughs) emphasise stuff when he needs to as well and he gets the point across but I think as Shane was saying there a moment ago the key thing for me is the passion doesn't matter whether it's poetry doesn't matter whether it's film making doesn't matter whether it's sitting behind a radio mic trying to do the best job you can if you can do it with passion people will always pick up on that and if you love it
13: people sense it don't they They Ah, it's contagious well
1: listen Kilkenny Arts Festival is going to be full of people who love doing what they do kicking off today running right the way through until the 20th of August do check it all out at Kilkenny Arts Festival um, .ie all the information is there Marissa Sheehan Absolute pleasure to meet you for the first time. Shane and Keith, great to see you again. I'll talk to you a little bit later on. And the news at 11 o'clock is on the way.
0: KCLOR Live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie. Thanks, Ashley. Did you enjoy the
2: summer yesterday? Yeah, the very, very <laughs> brief summer. <laughs> uh,
0: it was. It was actually quite humid. It was
2: very warm. I went for a run after work, and I thought, look, it might be a little bit cooler now that it's in the evening time. But it was so heavy out. Like it was honestly, I was struggling. I was absolutely sweating. By yeah, the end of I didn't
1: it. push myself as much as that. I went for a walk, but I've experienced so, the same sort of still very symptoms, heavy. out. Yeah, even yeah.
2: walking, it's it's too warm. But look, yeah. we, we shouldn't complain. We should enjoy the we, one no, day we had. We had a day of it. Well done.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations to the summer for turning yeah. up yesterday on the 9th of August, Ashley. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you a little. A little bit later on, it's uh, seven minutes past eleven, and uh, you're listening to KCLR live with Brian Redmond.
0: KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops food outlets and a state of the art IMC cinema see fairgreen.ie
1: just wanted to let you know that the M9 northbound well I call it northbound going towards Dublin basically it's, uh, it looks like there's been a bit of an accident there no details on the accident yet it's around the Bennecary area just north as I say of uh, Um severe delays in the areas. people texting us to say they've been sat there for about 25 minutes now um, we don't have any details of the crash. We will find out what the latest is. But if you are heading that way, just bear in mind you will experience uh, some delays heading northbound on that M9. Now, uh, managing anything is a challenge. Managing a hospital must be a massive challenge. And uh, St. Luke's have just appointed a new manager, Neve Lacey. Um, and she joined us on this morning show to uh, tell us what lies ahead and where she's come from. And good morning, Neve. Thanks for joining us on Casey and Hi. our live.
9: Good morning, Brian. Thanks very much for having me on this morning.
1: It's a massive task, isn't it?
9: Yes, it is a big task, um, Brian. I suppose um, I'm in the post since May this year, but I I have worked um, in an operational unscheduled care manager post for um, three years prior to taking up this post. So I suppose the the challenges and the you know the the different things that have come along the way I have experienced in the last three years working as an operations manager on site so you know and and having very I suppose robust and really good teams and clinicians around you makes that job much much easier from my perspective.
1: Yeah I mean you're going to need that level of experience it's not the type of role that somebody's going to walk in off the street and take up for sure Um, but what do you see as being the biggest challenges in you know you taking on that role permanently? From now on?
9: Yeah, so I suppose, look, you know, the challenges, you know, as, as we know, so much change has come, and obviously, COVID, um, you know, in the last few years has, I suppose, if anything, has shown us how we need to be adaptable and changeable um, when, when a situation arises. And I suppose we've learned um, a huge amount from that, and I suppose that's an ethos that I look and I take as learning from the past and how we can improve. And I suppose from my perspective, I suppose, as a hospital manager, and as I said, it's a role in its own, but it doesn't work without the robust teams around, is an assurance um, that I have that, I mean, we continue to strive to deliver the best care, um, you know, using the standards we have. And I suppose, you know, the support from the government, from the HSC um, in implementation around, like, our integrated care, and, you know, we we look in the media around the, the new health region authorities. But I suppose from a hospital perspective, the trolleys, you know, are consistently um you know, it's consistently um a challenge for us. So, you know, that that's I suppose a very big focus and, and continuing the service developments that we're we're always working ahead to to catch up and keep up with the new clinical developments and from an infrastructure and uh, within the hospital. I suppose anybody in Kilkenny and Carlo have seen how much the site has grown in the last few years, even in the last three years since I have have joined the team here is um it's substantial and you can physically see it uh, on passing how big the site has become
1: yeah i mean you mentioned COVID. obviously recently we had uh, it was described as a COVID outbreak i mean it, the outbreak wasn't obviously centered in the hospital it was just a number of people um, arriving at the hospital does the current um additional increase in COVID figures uh, look like something that's going to affect the, the day-to-day operation of the hospital
9: I suppose firstly what I'd like to assure the listeners is that the hospital is fully functional and operational. Um, We did have an increase in in, um, COVID positivity within the hospital and I suppose our emphasis is to ensure that our patients, we have very vulnerable patients with manicure, um, you know, immunosuppressed conditions that we have to ensure that they're safe. So I said we made a decision um, to, I suppose, to try and curtail the increase. You know, thankfully COVID out in the community, it's very well managed now. It's thankfully we've, you know, we stepped away from masks and that's through a successful vaccination program. But within the hospital, we still have to ensure um, and and adhere to infection control policies. But I would like to assure the listeners that the hospital is fully functional and and open. And we're a 24-7 service. We do ask people that they would consider other care options in the first instance because, you know, nobody wants to be sitting in an ED waiting room um, for a prolonged period. So if there's an option in the first instance to consult with your GP or perhaps your pharmacist, we would we would ask the public um, to do that. And, but if a situation arises where you feel that isn't, we we want you to present. And I suppose I just wanted to get that across this morning because we're very conscious we didn't make the decision lightly to close um, to visiting. But it, when we still swab our patients on admission, so anybody that's going to be admitted to the hospital, so we know the status when they've come in. So it was it was confirmed, I suppose, a week or so into their admission that they then developed different symptoms, and we're continuously, as I said, there's more there's more conditions from as a, as opposed to COVID-19 from an infection control perspective. So, and we have a, a really robust um, infection control team with many dis- dis- disciplines, which you know we we would um, we would continuously be um, in contact with. So, and and, and followed advice from there. But from there, I suppose it ascertained that our number had increased. And because it... If they hadn't got it when they came in, it looked like that was brought into the hospital. So if that's from visitors, if that's from staff, so that's where we had to go back from what we've learned, back to wearing our masks, back to our PEP, and just restricting the flow um, of who's coming in out of the hospital. You know, we're confident it's going to be a short term, um, you know, because I said we re-evaluate on a daily basis. And I suppose, on a positive perspective, yesterday we had 40 COVID patients, and it's down to 30 today. So that's, it's positively moving, but, you know... But there are still restrictions said, in place. There is still restrictions. So what we will do is we will keep everybody updated. You know, our website is, is updated as soon as there's a change. We will have a meeting, we have, we have a daily meeting, but tomorrow we will have a meeting again to see. So I i would be confident and i, I will hope that it, it will continue to be on the downturn but i said we you know our i suppose my emphasis is that we um, are assured that it's it's safe for all our patients okay. that are in
1: here well Neve, i mean you're moving into that role permanently now you know first of all i suppose ensure you that um casey laura's station here as a show will obviously continue to support the work of the hospital in general but obviously we've got to sometimes ask difficult questions as well i want to i want to quote you from a recent hickway report and um, it says as follows patients at St Luke's General Hospital emergency Department are exposed to risks of harm and increased morbidity and mortality because of the ineffective patient's flow and limited surge capacity. That's according to HICWA. Um, What steps and what measures do you think you'd be able to take to address that type of statement from HICWA?
9: Yes, so um, as you rightly said, we had a HICWA visit um, early 2023. Um, so I suppose, and we don't. I suppose we, we don't wait until an audit comes to try and constantly strive. But you know, audits are very beneficial because you know independent people highlight and look at it from a, a holistic or a, from a, an objective um, view. So we have had we had already implemented implemented. Pardon me, um, improvement. Um, I suppose techniques. If you want to use that word, Um, I suppose looking for some extra resources. You mentioned the word patient flow, um, discharge planning. So a lot of work has to happen up house. I suppose the ED is the focus of where everybody, you know, that's the front door. Um, But when up house, i.e., where the patients are in beds, if that piece slows down, that's where the flow um, is impeded. So. We, um, I suppose, we take a lean approach here for anybody that's. It's just looking at how, what's the most efficient way to do this, and it might sound like it's a bit logistic, but beds are logistic. Yeah, but, obviously but I patient.
1: Mean, Hickwe did say. Sorry. I mean, there was that the ED's limited capacity to respond to those unplanned, you know, staff leave and things like that, and you know, surge patient needs. Uh, that that was a concern for Hiquet as well. So they seem to suggest that it's not just the up house as you describe, but that the ED itself needs some work as well.
9: Yes, yeah, so so I suppose you, you know, absolutely. So, but if when the up house piece is sorted, the flow happens, and I suppose we had looked from a resource perspective because sometimes the perception is we don't have enough staff, which we we are constantly have like I suppose any organisation, but particularly in healthcare, you know there's sick leaves, there's unexpected leaves, and there's annual leaves uh, that you know obviously we we have to ensure that people get their leaves. So. What we have done, we have looked for, and we've successfully um got extra um beds coming into this winter, so that will allow us to have extra capacity um with the, with the improvement um, that we brought in. I suppose if you know i don't know if people follow, but our you know the trolley has, co- has significantly improved um in the last few months, so our it, it's how it's measured on the trolley, so this week alone our trolley has been zero, and our attendances are high you know we still have quite high attendances. Um, and that's a positive so we can see the benefit already but you know you have to take to be pl- to be planned you know what's coming I suppose the HSE um, have the emer- urgent emergency care plan which is a three-year plan as opposed to this winter plan and we find that has been very beneficial because it's allowing us strategically plan you know in incremental pieces and fr- from there um, Brian we will see the benefit of being able to, to yeah. move through now you know we have to be very cognizant of the fact that we have an aging population and when you have an aging population they have much more um, care requirements so when patients come in and we we look at a a score how people are frailty score and we can see that has increased therefore we know those patients are not going to and we use the term turn around in a few days you know they're going to come in and they have other complex needs and that's where the integrated piece is really important that we can we work very well with our colleagues in CH05 yep. and the discharge planning piece. So, well, there's also there's just to acknowledge
1: the HICWA report in its fullest nature, it, it did say, you know, however, HICW did acknowledge that the hospital management is striving to plan, organise, and manage the workforce to achieve high quality care. And I think that's just fair to put that point that that HICWA did in that report. Also, acknowledge that that you guys are working hard. And um, moving on, as you said, to that said, ageing population. Um, And the integration of care. Where do you think you can make some changes to improve people's plight when they do arrive at a hospital door, be they six years of age or 96 years of age?
9: I suppose really it's it's having um um, a plan of care for each each patient and obviously that starts from a clinical perspective which is you know done through the teams and through the consultant and the doctors but when when i suppose the journey comes that the patient is medically um, well and we've done what we need to do and i suppose as from an acute hospital, that's what the role here is, is to ensure that patients' clinical, medical treatment um, is optimised and that they're fit and well. And, and I suppose home first is our, is the optimal that patients get to go home to their own house. If that isn't an option, as you mentioned, the patients that um, the older age are, are in, that, that isn't an option for them. That's where the discharge planning piece is really important. Um, we have two discharge planners here who work notoriously every day, and there's a plan for each of these, for each patient in conjunction, obviously, with their consultant, but also with, as I mentioned, um, our colleagues in the community, because access to, whether it's long-term care beds, whether it's support for patients as i said to go home in the first instance because that's what most patients and families want to go home um, and that's what we support so it's around you know home support services and what's available there Um, so we we would work um, on a daily basis um with our colleagues in the community to, to ensure that we can put that kind of care in for every patient.
3: Neve
1: Lacey, new manager at St. Luke's Hospital. Um best of luck for the time ahead um a challenge managing anything, managing a hospital. I can't imagine how big a challenge it is, but best of luck in your time in that role. It is uh, 20 minutes past 11 here on KCF. Uh, thanks once again to Neil for joining us. 083 306 9696. As I said, just to remind you that that accident on the M9 is in and around the Tin Ryland area and people still reporting delays in that area heading northbound or towards Dublin It's probably the best way to... because technically it's eastbound, but I think of it as being slightly north, but you know what I mean. And towards Dublin on the M9, some severe delays in place. Do try and avoid that area if you can. We're going to take a short break after which on this week's Hours to Protect episode, the show producer Etna Quirk spoke to an environmental consultant, Jack O'Sullivan about the work that he does. That's on the way in just a moment.
0: KCLR Live with thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card. The perfect gift for all occasions. See fairgreen.ie
9: KCL
1: very welcome back to KCLR Live we've got the official update from on Garda in relation to that accident Gardaí and emergency services are attending the scene of a collision on the M9 northbound between Junction 5 Carlo and Junction 4 Castle Dermot the section of the motorway is currently closed and local diversions are in place so just bear in mind if you are heading that way um, take a care on approach and if you're heading southbound or about to head in Carlo clickennie direction um, concentrate on what you're doing no rubber neck and now looking over to see what's going on just focus on what is ahead of you and uh, we'll keep you updated right throughout the day here on KCLR Hours um, to Protect continues this week at the Quirk as I said is out and about she spoke to environmental consultant Jack O'Sullivan about the work that he does
0: Ours to Protect. Brought to you by KCL or the IBI and funded by Commission Naman with a television licence fee. Check out ours to protect.ie for more information.
3: This week on Ours to Protect, we're joined by environmental consultant Jack O'Sullivan. Jack, you're very welcome to the programme. Thank
10: you, Esther. I'm delighted to be on the programme.
3: Tell me, what is an environmental consultant?
10: Oh, wow. It can mean many things to many people. But basically, an environmental consultant is someone who has appropriate training, in my case, an ecologist with some chemistry as well. But people from various backgrounds, such as engineering and environmental science, chemistry, biology, botany, zoology, geology if they widen out the areas of their competence, can become environmental consultants. I got into this area uh, very simply by the fact that I worked for a number of years as a fishery officer, and this was purely inshore fisheries, so I learned a lot about shellfish, about inshore marine life, and the committee for which I worked was also responsible for licensing discharges to the sea, So I learned a lot about local authorities, of controlling discharges, about chemical wastes, about landfills, and I was told then, well look, you're not really a good person to become an academic, you have to be a world citizen, something for that, but you'd probably make a very good consultant, and that kind of widespread background, wide background in all the different sciences, helps me greatly, and that's how I ended up freelancing as an environmental consultant.
3: Talk to me then about the work of an environmental consultant. What's your day-to-day like?
10: It varies enormously. An awful lot of us spend writing reports, I have to say that. Much less time is spent being out, as they say, in the field, visiting sites. But I am also attending meetings on the phone with clients. And a lot of my work is now done on the internet, researching, meeting with people using Zoom or Google Meets. And a lot of my work, and I'm a bit unusual here, a lot of my work is for small local groups of people who are opposing some kind of development which they don't want to see, and which they believe, quite rightly, would be damaging to the environment. For example, a large pig farm, a landfill, an incinerator, a wind farm, and so on. I haven't worked very much for large development companies, I have worked for governments, I worked in Lithuania, I worked in Russia, I worked for the European Commission, and one of the things which stood to me over many years was advice given to me by the head of a unit in which I worked in the 1970s. He said your job is to make sure that the people working under you can do their work well, and most importantly he said if a client brings you up, and ask you to think about a job, don't just say something like, well, we'll think about it or we might do it. Say, of course we'll do it. Put the phone down and then figure out how you're going to do it. Always be positive and that's a good advice to anybody who wants to get into the consultancy business.
3: Always be positive. It surely is. So listen, a long career there. Tell me, how do you think climate activism or the shift towards climate education and awareness has developed over the years?
10: It's developed quite quickly in some countries. In Ireland it's developed appallingly slowly. It's been a very mixed series of messages. The Citizens Assembly produced a superb report on the way our climate is changing globally and the effects on Ireland and what we should be doing. That caught the government on the left foot, really, because they hadn't really thought about what we've got to do as a country to address the whole climate issue. Now we're getting there bit by bit. but so I'd say we're about somewhere around 20 years behind. And the difficulty is as follows. If we had started reducing our fossil fuel use in the 1990s and had electrified all our trains in the 1990s and got lorries off the road and moved most of our uh, freight by rail in the 1990s, even the early 2000s, and changed our agriculture away from the intensive farming, which we're doing now, and move more towards organic farming, growing crops, then the transition to a, a good climate, I want say climate neutrality, low carbon footprint for the country, would be so much easier. Now it's like falling off a cliff face. We have to reduce our fossil fuel use rapidly and enormously, and that's going to be difficult. So. The long time scale taken to react is going to cause serious transition problems.
3: So we're playing catch up to a large extent.
10: We are. And that's so true, I was in Lithuania there now a week and a half ago and I could see electric trains, electric buses, very good transportation services, very few heavy lorries on the road, a lot of heavy goods moved by rail, and like Ireland, wind farming. Solar energy is great for Ireland. For example... In 1975-76, when I worked in the National Science Council, uh, an organization since been abolished by the government, one of my colleagues was working on solar energy. He did a superb report which said solar energy in Ireland. We had more of it per head of population, than France. Now, when I look at solar energy today in Ireland, it's very, very good. We have a solar panels on the roof of our office, and it generates electricity nearly every day, even the sort of dullish days we're getting something. And if it's a bright day, whether it's bright cloudy or bright sunny or blue sky, we get more than enough electricity to supply our house. So in the winter, we do need to, to buy electricity, but in the summer, even spring and parts of the autumn, we're exporting electricity. Now, Germany started this in 2020. We're only beginning to move into the area now in 2022 and 2023. So we are a long, long way behind. And i said that because with a bit of good leadership, we could have been... We had another thing too about wind farming. One of the colleagues we had in the National Science Council in the 1970s said Ireland has got tremendous wind potential. His report was shelved. Denmark did a similar study to Ireland and they found that wind was very good, like we have also very good wind power. The Danes carried on. Ireland abandoned the research. And the Danes started manufacturing wind turbines And they are now the world's largest manufacturer of wind turbines And with something like 10,000 people employed in the industry Plus the fact that the Danish government has actively helped small local communities Individual farmers, groups of farmers and villagers and villages to erect wind turbines So that 50% of all the wind energy in Denmark is produced by local people for local people, that's a very different picture to the way the government has gone in Ireland.
1: That is this week's edition of Hours to Protect. Remember, you can listen back on both the website and the uh, p- podcast on Hours to Protect.ie, where you'll find the weekly tip sheets. And next week, you'll hear part two of that chat with Jack, where he shares some interesting thoughts. Well, listen to this, how urine can be used as a fertiliser. Do stay tuned. Don't forget, you can pop on to the Arrows to Protect website whenever you want. They have opportunities on there for people to calculate their own carbon footprint. Nevertheless, an interesting little thing if you wanted to do it. It's 11.31 in a couple of moments' time. I'll be chatting to one of the top chefs in Kilkenny and Carlo, Keith Boyle, chef at the newly opened... Bridge House in the River Court Hotel, previously of course of restaurant Lady Anne in Castle he joins us to tell us all about Japanese milk loaf. And if you've no idea what that is, I'll give you the rest of this piece of music from Simply Red to Google it.
13: Something got me started. You know that I will love you.
5: I give it all up for you 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 Yes I give it all up for you Yes I give
10: it all up for you Yes I give it all up for you Yes I would
4: So broken heart.
1: Mick Hucknell, Simply Red, Simply Great's music, you know, from uh, him and all the boys involved in Simply Red. 25 minutes to 12 o'clock on this uh, Thursday morning. It's great feeling to know it's Thursday already, you know, when everybody wakes up on a Tuesday morning, dragging their backsides back into work after bank holiday weekend. There's a bit of pain in that, but the glory comes on a Thursday when it feels like it should only really be Tuesday afternoon. And the week is nearly done. Don't worry, I am happy to be here with you, but I do look forward to my weekends as well. Something else... (laughs) Sorry,
11: go on, Keith. For some of us, the week is only
1: starting. Yeah, yeah, Keith Boyle. Oh, we we'll talking to Keith in a few moments time. Chef extraordinaire. One of those industries, unfortunately, that's uh, a bank holiday weekend or a normal weekend. It's the busiest part of their week. Do stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment.
0: KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre, Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie. Kenny,
1: Carlo, KCLR. You're very welcome back to KCLR Live. 23 minutes to 12 o'clock. Um, it's a time of the week on a Thursday where we normally talk food, um, and I'm joined today by Keith Boyle, chef at the Newly opened Bridge House in the River Court Hotel. Previously of the ra- restaurant Lady Anne in Castle Comer, he's got a fabulous recipe that he's going to bring us in a couple of moments' of time for Japanese milk loaf. Uh, we'll find out what that is. But Keith, first of all, very welcome along to KCLR Live. Thank you very much,
11: Brian. It's lovely to be here.
1: Yeah, no, it's great to have you in. Thanks, man. Um, I, I, particularly on a Thursday. I mean, getting a chef on a Thursday is, is a nightmare because you're just about to come into the busiest part of
11: your working week. Just about to start four uh, first service on a Thursday night. So we do Thursday dinner, Friday dinner, Saturday lunch and dinner, and then Sunday for lunch. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be busy. Well, luckily enough, I have two good guys in the kitchen down there, uh, prepping <laughs> away while I'm up here. Well, you better name-check them, go on. Yeah, yeah, so Connor and Owen are down in Connor the kitchen. and Owen, the real stars of the show, holding everything together. Holding the fort together while I'm up while here. While
1: Keith's out floating around, Can Kenny City, talking to people like me. Um, Rivercourt, right? Fabulous location. You've moved the restaurant up from Castlecomer to there. Obviously, the hotel had the revamp after the fire. For people that haven't been yet... Tell them what they'll experience if they go up there. Well, yeah.
11: what we've done is, I suppose, it's a very similar story or the backstory to to the Creamery House with the fire uh, and the restoration of the old uh, the old building. But the Neville Group have just done a fantastic job uh, with restoring the old building. It's it's a landmark Kilkenny City building. It's full of history, uh, and it's a, it's an honour for Carmel and I to go in and set up uh, the, the new restaurant inside in there and showcase uh, our culinary flair. I suppose.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're getting quite a lot of traction. I mean nationally and indeed, indeed globally with, with the stuff that you've been doing over yeah, the last couple of years
11: thankfully we, we have been um, and, and I suppose that was part of the reason why we've moved it into the city to, um, to you know, to showcase it to more people mm. um, so yeah we, we're in a prime location right on the bridge right looking out over the castle uh, as I said the, the, the building is fantastic an old Georgian building beautiful restoration beautiful ceilings you know great open dining room new parlor that looks out over you know the castle the river the the bridge it's it's absolutely stunning
1: a chef in a location like that is like a kid at Christmas in a Ye- sweet shop yeah yeah, yeah. He's, yeah he's like a kid on the 27th of December he's like oh, I've just gotten all these things I know I have them but I haven't really had a chance to enjoy them all yet
11: yeah no it, it's been a, a, an interesting few weeks trying to get it all set up uh, we've just been opened. We, we, we opened very softly two weeks ago mm. um, so yeah it's still trying to feed out all the small teething problems and make sure that everything is how it's supposed to be and it's working how it's supposed to be but it, it, it's fantastic so far uh, yeah. the, the feedback from, from guests that have been there so far far has been great, food-wise, service-wise, uh, and obviously the building then as well. People are loving to the, the, see the, the new building and see the restoration that the Never Group have done.
1: I know you're going to give me one of them stereotypical answers when I ask the next, next <laughs> question, but I, you can have that joy. You can give me, oh, we, we want to produce great food and you know, and our guests to enjoy. But what
11: is the aim? Uh, I suppose it's hard to say really, isn't it? Oh, go on, tell uh, them, go on, don't I be don't shy. Know. I don't know. Would you like a Michelin star? Of course, we would. Absolutely. Of course we would. <laughs> 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 yeah, but you, well, you said Ida. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. You yeah, just agreed. Yeah, of course we would. Absolutely. It'd be, it'd be great. It'd be fabulous. It'd be great to uh, to to put a badge on the door. How um, many other in Kilkenny at the moment? We yeah, have two, two in okay. Kilkenny at the minute. Yeah, we have Lady Helen in uh, Mount Juliet, and yeah. we've got Campania which is not too far up the road from us.
1: Yeah, a third one. I mean, I mean, Mount Juliet is great. Not quite city centre, though. I mean, I think the city could definitely sustain.
11: It could do. Yeah. Well, the city is very busy. The city is really, really busy. So I think it could sustain um, another restaurant of a certain calibre. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Double-edged sword, though. I I mean, you're a bit So they say. They do say it's a double-edged sword, but... Yeah. yeah. I mean,
1: I wouldn't know. I mean, obviously, I I have to... I do love cooking, but I mean, obviously, it's a completely different kettle of fish to to what you're doing. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to be talking to you again in 12 or 18 months' time, or two years, when you've got that Michelin star and... You say, "Oh yeah, I'm delighted. We've actually got that star. Third star in the city, Kenny." and I'm a broken man <laughs> as a result I've of it. Now, Andrew, okay. so I've been a
11: broken man for a while. I've been a broken man for a while. Well you can be no, It'll be fabulous. Look we've gone in with a, a very different concept in there. We're a singular tasting menu only um, so we don't offer an a la carte we don't offer an early bird it's a singular menu no choice menu uh, using the best ingredients that we can source from, from around the world. A lot of our ingredients come from France uh, our caviar is coming from France yeah. a lot of our meats will come from France uh, our truffles are coming from the UK but are sourced in Australia. It's a
1: weird thing with food right I and mean, sorry for interrupting I think when you go to a concert, right? You go to a concert because you think this is an artist I absolutely love. I can't wait to hear them perform and see them perform and enjoy the whole spectacle. You don't then walk into the concert and go, Now, I'd like you to play that song and then that song. In this order. Yeah, yeah exactly. You sort of hand yourself over to yes, the artist. Yes, and, yes sure. and, and high-end dining is like that. It happened to me the first time it happened to me, I thought, this is weird. Well, we walked in and we were sat down and you know. Welcomed, And then the chef came out and told us what he was going to cook for us. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. don't I get to choose? Yeah. Well, cooking?
11: we do that as well inside now with the three that are there in the kitchen. We actually bring some of the, the food to the tables ourselves as well. Yeah. And we'll explain the dishes at the table as well as, you know, Carmel, my wife, doing it, uh, some of the explanations. We'll go up and we'll serve three of the dishes as well, which is quite interesting to have that interaction between kitchen and guests as well. People like to ask you a bit more questions. I thought it was magic. Yeah, I have it, to say. It can it, be. Yeah, I thought it was magic. I love the, the, when people will tell you that they would have never ordered anything that was on that menu. Yeah. Which is usually what, what the idea behind it, because usually people will play safe. The gentleman will always order a steak. Steak. The lady will always order the fish. Um, so when you take that choice away from them and you serve them things that they would never usually order, and they're going, that was probably the nicest thing they've ever eaten. Going,
1: I was amazed by the flavors. Yes. Yeah. You know, I'd I like I, I love a great steak absolutely, and I think a great steak has 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 justified oh, a place in the value. menu. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But like that that one or two occasions of it's only been one or two it's not like I do it every yeah, yeah. Friday night it's only been one or two occasions in my life when I've been to somewhere really really special and there's two things that struck me one were the flavours like they they just are a different levels yes, to, to yeah. normal restaurants and two despite the fact that I wasn't having a big steak with a big side of chips and you know finished broccoli or something yeah, like yeah, that yeah. Um I was so full after it
11: well we we'll- nine slash ten courses mm-hmm. uh, but there's probably about 15 servings in along those those courses and actually we're going to do the the bread course that we do with yeah. the recipe we're going to do today but the, the bread course is probably the only carbohydrate course that we have right on the menu and if everybody eats we do four individual loaves on, on the on the Japanese milk loaf there's only a hundred and forty grams of bread in those four loaves. Yeah. So the reason we, we serve it at the start of our meal and we allow it to stay on the table throughout. So you pull off an individual roll and you use it then as, you know, for dipping yeah, or yeah, for, yeah. for cleaning the plates. But all together- So you,
1: you'd appreciate somebody literally picking up oh old yeah, yeah, school, yeah. slice of bread, the wipe idea. the plate down.
11: Well, this is why this bread is so soft and so fluffy. She if
1: I did that in the restaurant, my wife would probably give it to me, <laughs> yeah, but no, be it's
11: like That's, that's <laughs> the idea is that we serve it and we serve it and we leave it on the table, excuse me, and we turn our own butter as well. So we do a cultured butter that we serve on the side. And we, we when we culture the butter, we get the whey or the buttermilk and we use that buttermilk back inside the bread. And we also use the buttermilk in a sauce that we serve for our mm. oyster. So we have a kind of a zero waste policy as well. well. You need we try, to. I mean, it's, good, it's good economics. Apart yeah, from but we else. also try and showcase the best of the ingredients. So if we take an ingredient, we'll take all of it and try showcase it in, in many different ways. Like we have a tomato dish, as you were talking there about flavors. One of our, our vegetable course at the minute is based around a tomato. But we serve the tomato on three different plates in about five different preparations uh, including a warm tomato tea we also serve a sphere uh, so it's a, we make a passata from the skins and the pulp and we set that inside the tomato jelly and that's the first part of the dish so we serve that on a spoon and you pick that up and you eat it and then you use the spoon to eat the rest of the dish oh, but fantastic. that gives a, a huge punch of fresh tomatoes at the yeah. very start of that tomato dish and then the rest just follows suit with a Bloody Mary sorbet and a warm thing oh, there's oh, all different um, it, uh, it. tastes <laughs> and temperatures and techniques so it's a it's, it's very, inter- very interesting type of dining yeah
1: no it, it, I, as I said I've, i have been fortunate Experience it once or twice in my life, never at your talents at yeah, hand. And afford- that,
11: that's for us, is why I suppose the move from, from Castle Comer into the city uh, was to showcase what we do yeah. to a, a wider audience.
1: Yeah, like I, I would say this to anybody at home. I mean, everybody, I think most people, very few, don't enjoy a good night out, a good meal. If you do get the opportunity at any point to go and experience this type of dining, I'd take it, even if it's just once in your life, it's so well worth doing. But bread, I mean, bread was something that I I hate mentioning COVID but it's a little bit back on the radar because of this little variant that's floating around at the moment but one of the benefits of uh, everybody that Everybody made sourdough Everybody made
11: sourdough So we took it off the menu <laughs> and, Yeah well if you can make it at home Because everybody need? became an expert right? <laughs> Yeah did they Okay. So when we started serving sourdough when, when the COVID restrictions were in the questions were so what was your hydration What oh, was your grooving you What was this What did it be? So we said right okay we're stopping serving sourdough. That's like lads oh.
1: who go into the golf shop to buy some spare golf balls because they've lost two dozen players last weekend yeah. and all of a sudden they want to know what's the difference between the 700 euro driver and the 750 euro driver. Yeah. Very little in your hands. But,
11: but when they tell you <laughs> to know, and they start asking you about the dimensions of it so, so yeah so once uh, that hit in we said okay we're not serving sourdough. So no sourdough but what have you got as an alternative? So we're serving the Japanese milk loaf. Japanese milk loaf okay so
1: I know nothing about Japanese milk loaf. You're going to tell me.
11: So basically it's, it's like a brioche. It's like a brioche bread so it's a really buttery milky bread. Uh, really really airy really really light and hence what I was saying we Great serve from up and plate. It's great for muffin plates, and oh, light! I said, four servings of bread, or four individual rolls, and between them all, they're 140 grams. Yeah, so very, very easy to eat. You're not stuffed after after your bread. Um, yes, it's obviously so it uses a, a method called a milk roux. So you make up a milk roux first, which is five times milk to flour, and then that gets added into the dry ingredients with some eggs, plenty of butter. We use again the buttermilk from turning our own butter inside of it, which gives it a little bit of a tang, a little bit of a cultured flavour. Uh, yes, it's, it's so take us through it
1: very quickly, step by step. I mean, we don't want to turn everybody into experts into Japanese milk clubs. You have
11: started as well. Uh, do you want me to give you a, like a, a recipe for yeah, it? Yeah, give us a recipe for it. Yeah. So, the recipe that we use at the restaurant is 370 grams of T44 flour, which is a baker's flour. Uh, strong flour will we'll, uh, do instead. We use 10 grams of dry yeast, 60 grams of sugar, 10 grams of salt, which is your dry ingredients. So, if you put those into the bowl of your stand up mixer and give it a small little mix just to combine the ingredients Uh, and then in a separate pot you'd use 150 grams of milk and 30 grams of flour and you cook that out like a standard roux if you would for making a bechamel sauce yeah that gets added to your dry ingredients Uh, with that then you break in one egg Uh, in a separate pot we warm 120 grams of milk we use Buttermilk and milk because buttermilk will usually split on its own, and then 100 grams of butter that is softened. So, if you add your milk roux to your dry ingredients, uh, mix it slowly, then add in your egg, mix that a little bit more slowly again, add in your ordinary milk or your warmed buttermilk, mix that till it starts to come together as a dough, and then just add in the flour as the mixer is turning on a medium to high speed, start adding in the cold or the, the slightly Warm, 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 yeah, yeah, water, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then just leave it on for maybe five minutes till all the gluten uh, starts to come together.
1: And so it makes the it's yeah, it's, it's a really, really wet mix. So when we get that right, one of the things again that uh, people were probably proofing and all that type of stuff is this the type of bread that you can just. It's a very, I...
11: it's a very easy proof on this, Brian. So this is a very wet mix; it doesn't need any kneading. So when the, the the gluten has all combined and and it's ready in the bowl, we oil a separate bowl and just take the bread from your stand up mixer into the other bowl, cover it with cling film, and let it stand for an hour till it doubles in size. Right. And that's it. And as it comes out, then you can uh, line your your baking tin or whatever shape you want to put in into to, into individual rolls. I said we use thirty-five gram individual rolls. You can make a, 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 a loaf. A, yeah. anything you want to do. Uh, glaze it with a little bit of egg wash. Let it proof again. Glaze it again. Bake it one hundred and sixty degrees for twenty minutes. Job
1: Perfect done. Job done. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it's, it's amazing. It's a it's, very
11: easy bread. I. I it's think I not. It's it, it. Well,
1: maybe, maybe it is. But this is the thing, right? I always admire people who take difficult things and make, make them easy. look easy. Whereas during lockdown everybody took a relatively simple thing I suppose with sourdough or it would be simple for you and made it look well, very difficult.
11: Yeah, sourdough itself can be very difficult. Uh, it? Yeah, sometimes when you're feeding the starter it can be worse than minding a baby. <laughs> you know, the temperature in the room, the humidity of the room. Sourdough is, is very, very technical. Yeah. Very, very technical. I and mean, when, as I said, everybody became an expert at it then we said, right, okay. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, we, we, we we'll we'll leave that to the experts. We'll to the experts, <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, listen, it sounds absolutely fabulous, Keith. I mean, congratulations on all the work that you've done so far. Great to see the recogni- recognition continue. Continuing, you um, best of luck with the plants whatever they may be <laughs>
6: <laughs>
11: thank you very much I, I shall keep an eye on announcements an eye on. <laughs> and, I think everybody's going to keep an eye <laughs> <laughs> on <No, Brian. laughs>
1: um, congratulations to all of the team up at the uh, the Bridge House and Court Hotel um, all the team actually doing some work rather than just sitting the, here the, talking uh, to me the guys
11: are working hard inside and they're making Japanese milk right I presume I hope for <laughs> yeah, service hopefully. for this evening
1: yeah, keep all chef at the newly opened Bridge House Hotel and Court Hotel thank you very much for thank joining for us Brian. this morning it's 9 minutes to 12 o'clock uh, we're going to take a short break and we'll be back with a little bit more music before we wrap the Show for the day.
0: KCLR Live, with thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card, the perfect gift for all occasions. See fairgreen.ie. Listening to KCLR. KCLR.
1: There was only one man that could follow on from Keith Boyle, Niall Horan here on KCLR Live. An absolute pleasure being with you this morning as always. Thanks to all of our guests right throughout the show and thanks to Edwina for uh, doing her usual magic and bringing us uh, all the reports from Baltic the Kenny Arts Festival and the Blood Donation Services taking place right across the county. Just to give you that information again because a couple of people have been on the text line asking me, those Blood Donation Services, they're running on Lachlan Gales GA Club from the 28th to the 31st of August. Before that, they're actually in the Avalon House Hotel in Castle Comer, and They're hosting one next Tuesday afternoon. Well, today, this afternoon, you can donate blood at the Talbot Hotel in Carlow. All clinics are running from 10 to 4 until 8 o'clock in the evening. want to donate blood, you will need to book in online. And you can either do that by visiting the website giveblood.ie or by ringing 1800 222 Thanks also to uh, Shane O'Keefe and Marissa Sheehan, Carlow, Poet uh, celebrating the kicking off of Kilkenny Arts Festival, the 50th edition of the Arts Festival starting today day. Uh, Japanese milk loaf, we'll put that recipe up online, we'll get a photograph of it and stick it up online and we'll get one of the guys I'm going to actually bring home the the, uh, the recipe myself and give it a crack maybe not tonight, but soon some point over the weekend we'll be back with you tomorrow morning from 10 John Keane is up after the news at 12 great music right throughout the afternoon um, do keep him company and as I said, enjoy your afternoon enjoy uh, the weather Whatever way it is. And do take care if you're heading up the M9, still some delays in place on that route. Um, Pleasure, as always. Thanks to all of the team, to Anthony, Ethnic, Quirk, and Una, and everybody else for putting
0: everything together. With thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie.